This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again for another hour of Real Ghost Stories submitted by you at 855-853-4802 in your letters and the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you're not an EPP yet, please join us in becoming one. Gets you an extra episode of the show every single week. It's five bucks a month, and that five bucks goes to support the show and helps us stay on the air and deliver the show to you every single day. Whatever platform you may be listening to, please be sure to press subscribe so you don't miss any episodes, especially if you're a new listener. That's the easiest and quickest way to get the shows delivered directly to you as we release them. On tonight's episode, we discuss an attempt to conjure celebrities using a Ouija board. We'll finally hear the rest of the spider hand story. If you're a longtime listener to the show, you'll remember what that was about. Do you remember what that was about? Yeah, it was about a uh, tormented toddler that had a imaginary friend that was called spider hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're going to have to fill... I remember it. I just remember the details of it. Okay. So you have to fill me in on that, too, a little bit to help refresh us all. Okay. But I remember the, the when we talked about it originally. Also, a listener uh, finds a lost prized possession thanks to a visit from a late grandmother, and we hear about a ghost of an elderly man that still tries to take care of his former home. And lastly, we'll tell you the campfire story of all campfire stories. That's tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Interesting uh, piece of mail that we got in here. And this was actually submitted to us by uh, one of our avid listeners, Selena. It's a uh, orb color and their meaning chart. Okay. That uh, some uh, paranormal groups use when they're in their uh, paranormal study. She says that the group that she's involved with uses this. And it's, it's really interesting. Would you like to hear what some of the orb colors mean? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So white, which is, you know, kind of the more common ones. And, and you can see the different shades of them here. So just white or grayish says white to silver. Pure, new, high frequency, protection, strength, power. Uh, maybe a, 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 a associated with a guardian angel or an archangel or something like that. So okay. White, apparently fairly good. Pinks apparently mean openness, compassion, affection, love. So I think what they're saying with the orb colors and their meaning is... The orbs are more than just right, more than just identifying what it is, but it's identifying the energy that it's possessing. Okay. So it's not just this is a good bad good orb or a bad orb or something like that. It's more so what is it? What are the feelings so in the orb? A pink one kind of is like sending love. Openness, compassion, affection, love okay. uh, may apply to a teacher, a guide, a guardian angel uh, as well. Reds, high energy, creative, restless, stress, agitation, pain, anger. Uh, interesting. Uh, oranges, comfort, healing, energy, motivation, hope, strength, courage. We've seen some of the orange orbs in some of the pictures. Right. Yellows, uh, pay attention, notice, caution, insight, inspiration. Uh, gold, which I don't know how you would really decipher between the gold and the yellow, but I guess if you can decipher. Free-flowing energy, tolerance, inspiration, creativity, higher consciousness, wisdom, greens, neutrality, healing, communicative, um, blues, uh, neutrality, tranquility, protection, um, purples, at peace, forgiveness, wisdom, psychic and spiritual development. Black to brown, connection to earth, earthbound, uh, immature, underdeveloped, insecure, trapped, tortured, depression, grief, fear. 
Okay, so that's the energy that they're possessing, but it yeah. doesn't really sound like they're segregated into good versus bad. No, it's more so this is about what sort of energy is in it. Okay. So I and I honestly think it's kind of a little bit more accurate than just this is a good one, this is a bad one. You sure. Know, you maybe not can't you can't really tell what type of energy, what it is, but at least you can have an idea what is behind it. Okay. As far as what the intention is or whatever. If you believe orbs are just balls of energy, which isn't that kind of what the thought process is? Yeah, so the I think energy, so. what the source of the energy is or what it's feeling, if you will. So sure. I thought it was kind of interesting since we've talked about the different colors of orbs on the show before and we were like, what the hell do they mean? Well, and I, I have to throw in, that goes along with a lot of the, the old schools of thought on what colors represent just in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's certain colors that are better to paint in a dining room versus others because some sure. are, are more relaxing versus some being more anger provoking. So, um, and I think some of that ties all the way back to feng shui, which mm-hmm. I'm sure all of that, this and that has some kind of, you know, point at which that whole thought came from but the meaning behind the colors and what yeah yeah, yeah i'm sure yeah. it probably does so, so. that makes go. sense that's that's what i would have yeah. i guess i guess yes it was so interesting it so is i thought i'd share uh let's go to a letter that came into us tommy writes in uh so i was listening to your show shaking my head at all these ouija board stories when i realized wait i have a ouija board story too this happened to me in 2007 when i was only 19 years old okay I was hanging out with my then-girlfriend and some of her friends on the 4th of July. We had already lit our fireworks and things were winding down, so we decided to go inside. One of her friends, a strange girl who lived at the house we were at, asked if we wanted to play with her Ouija board. We all agreed, and she set about getting it out and lighting a candle. To spice things up, we decided we'd contact a celebrity that had passed away. Being the oldest in the group, I was tasked with coming up with a celebrity and a fact I knew about them that I was certain no one else in the room knew. So I picked John Belushi. We go about conjuring up John Belushi and go ahead and ask my question, which was, what was the last movie you did before you died? Now bear in mind, I'm really focusing on not putting much of any pressure on the dial, but lo and behold, it starts moving. First to N, then to E, then to I, G, H, and B. I don't recall how much further it got, but it started to become gibberish. Nonetheless, John Belushi's last movie was an obscure picture he did with Dan Aykroyd called Neighbors. I was aware of that. No one else in the room was. Weirded out by that, but still persistent, we marched on and tried another celebrity. First time, Freddie Mercury of Queen. I asked a similar question, but this time being, what was the last Queen album you did while alive? The dial begins to move. I-N-N-U-E-N. And again, I don't recall how far it got, but it spelled out most of Innuendo, which is Queen's last album featuring featuring Freddie uh, while he was living. Uh, Another fact I knew that no one else in the room would have, I uh, think it's spelling Innuendo, I said. One of my girlfriend's friends replied, Is that the last album he did with them? I I don't know, I said in my confusion. What do you mean you don't know? 
They said almost annoyed at me. At this point, I'm thinking, we tried to talk to Freddie Mercury, and this thing tried to name a Queen album. That's good enough for me. I'm done. That did not occur at my house. I have no idea if anything else ever came of that event, but it weirded me out big time. I kind of recall the contact we had with Freddie Mercury uh, being more coherent than with John Belushi, which kind of makes me wonder about their state of being as they pass. Since John Belushi died of an overdose, was his spirit uh, perpetually in that state? Okay, I think there was something toying with them. I agree. I don't think they actually contacted John Belushi or Freddie Mercury. I think it was something that had knowledge of pretty much everything in the world and uh, could easily fill in those blanks and make them think they're talking to John Belushi or Freddie Mercury. I agree. I think it makes for a really good story, but it just Mm -hmm. goes to show you that you can mess with Ouija boards and and you're going to get something that may try to trick you. Yeah, I mean, that's it's pretty much the whole intent. And they'll be the arguers of it, but I'm sorry, more times than not in the stories that we hear, that's what we're getting. I'd love to hear, you know, some of... Because I, I see that sometimes in some of the comments where people are like, oh, they said not to use a Ouija board, right? Da, 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 da. Okay, well, then you tell me what good you've ever gotten out of the Ouija board. Let's hear some good stories if you got them. Because I've, I've yet to hear them. I just hear the argument going, oh, no, they're just not using it right. Okay, well, then share your story. Not just they're wrong, but what do you got? Well, and let's take it further than that, because then we're going to have everybody call in and say, well, I talked to grandma on it. (laughs) Sure. I want to hear something. I want in-depth. In-depth, positive that Mm -hmm. happened. And I'm not saying go do it and then report back. I'm saying if you've already had that experience. Sure. If you've had it and it ended there too. Yes. You can't be like, oh, we contacted grandma and it was a great conversation. And then four weeks later, uh, we had headless goats running around our apartment. You know, something I want just, that's where it ended and that's what it was. And okay, we'll hear the story. But that's what I, I don't want, it's like a little kid going, you're wrong. You know, but they don't have the answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's hear the other side. I'm open to it. I'm fine with hearing it. It's just the vocal ones that we've had so far, and I've only heard of never really ended all that great. Um, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Of course, you can always write into us through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to a caller. Hi. Let's try this again. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is um, Jane from St. Louis, Missouri. I really love your show, and I've been listening for a while now. Um, I never thought that this was really a paranormal experience, but I recently listened to um, the show. I think it was like Plug of Frogs or something to do with frogs, and one of the stories is really similar to my own experience, so I thought I would share. Um... It happened a few years ago. My roommate, my best friend and I, we rented a house together, and um, it was me and her and another girl. And I never felt creeped out by the house um, or I felt anything, there was anything there. But one night I was home all by myself, and I was doing the dishes. And I was finishing up, and I turned toward a door Um, that led from the kitchen into the garage. And I felt a puff of air blow in my face. It felt like somebody was standing above me, like a taller person, and like just like kind of blew a puff of air in my face. Um, 
and it, it freaked me out. Like, I was really freaked out, and I looked around. Um, there was, like, an air vent above me, and I put my hand up there to see, like, maybe the air had kicked on, and the air wasn't on. The front door hadn't opened. Um, that door hadn't opened to the kitchen. And so I didn't know where that puff of air had come from, but it really freaked me out. And I finished up the dishes, and I... I quickly calmed down. It wasn't a big deal. And then um, I went, you know, just on about my business. But another thing about the house, my roommate, and I know I thought this was strange, but I don't think that my roommate experienced it. Um, I was, my roommate, when we moved in, bought a couch brand new and a love seat brand new. And when I was up in the house by myself, I would, when I would sit on the couch, it would smell like this cigar smoke or this like pipe smell. And um, I would just smell it when I was there by the couch. And I thought that maybe like the couch had been on a showroom and somebody who smoked a pipe had sat down and the smell had lingered. But the smell stayed, like I noticed it for several months. So I don't know, um, I know that the people who rented the house from uh, it was a woman and her second husband and her first husband had passed away, but sh this woman and her first husband had raised, I think had raised their family in the house. So I don't know if it was like him hanging out. Um, but anyway, uh, just thought I'd share that because there was that story about that girl shared where she had, she had felt a, a like a breeze bl blow by her. And, uh, I thought it was kind of similar to my own. So anyway, um, not super scary or freaky, but I thought it was a little strange that she had a similar story to mine, so I thought I'd share. Anyway, thanks. I really enjoy your program, and um, I hope to uh, talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Jane. So I wonder, since she's the only one that smelled the pipe or cigar smoke, if if she's like maybe the only one of the three of them that was kind of sensitive to paranormal. And I don't know. I know a lot of people claim to have those phantom smells, you know, or, or you know, smells like grandma all of a sudden or something like that. Mm -hmm. But if she's the only one that experienced it, that makes me think that it's not something that lingered from the showroom because then the other two would have smelled that. Yeah, I agree. I think it could very well be that. Um, I think it's interesting because I think there's there's the folks who just can't see any of this. Yeah. No matter what, or, or hear it or smell it or whatever. Um, and I think there's folks who are more sensitive to it. And I think there's the cases where whatever it is is able to direct a scent or a sight or something at specific people. Even if you have a very sensitive person next to you, they may be completely oblivious to it if that spirit only wants that one person to see or smell or feel or whatever okay. is going on. I, I think that that's a possibility. It just makes it all the more confusing, I know. But it does, and I've never even really thought about if the spirit had the intent of a certain person picking up on that. Sure. I think that depending on what their powers are, what they can do, I think that that is very much a, a possibility. 
Okay. Based on some of the stories. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our number. You can write into the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. If you're not an EPP yet, get on that. We just sent out our latest episode, and uh, our folks, are our EPPs, are really loving it uh, based on the feedback we've been getting. So uh, if you like the show, if you listen semi-frequently throughout the week, uh, think about throwing a little money in the kitty and helping us keep the show going. And as a thank you, we'll send you that bonus episode every single week, and you get access to all the previous EPP episodes as well. It's a nice little bonus there. So you get uh, you get to binge listen on some fresh episodes uh, as soon as you get that uh, that email. So make sure you sign up this week. You do that through the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, here's a letter. It says, uh, in early July of 2013, my grandfather passed away. Though I didn't see him near as often uh, as I had in the past, his death hit me pretty hard. For one, of course, he was my grandfather, and I love him. But two, this was the first death I've had that close to me. My other grandparents are still living, and both of my parents, aunts and uncles, etc. Even prior to his passing, I was pondering what death is. Uh, I'm agnostic, so I have no idea what the afterlife entails. I'd say I'm spiritual, but I don't subscribe to any one religion. But anyhow, my grandfather passed away suddenly of a heart attack. We're all grieving and thinking about him. Then, about two or to three weeks later, I had a dream that set my mind at ease. In the dream, I enter a dark room. Not pitch black, just dark. Not a menacing dark either, but more so peaceful. In the distance is a window with a bright, beautiful light coming from it. I couldn't make out if anything was out there, but it was a nice golden light. I start walking along when, who should I see resting in his recliner? My grandfather. I shout out, hey, Grandpa, hey, it's, it's Grandpa. That last part, I said to no one in particular, as no one else was in the room but me and him. As I'm trying to get his attention, he lifts his head a bit and opens his eyes slightly. He acknowledges me with a nod and then goes back to sleep. I keep trying to get his attention when he lifts his head again and smiles before lying his head back down and going back to sleep. This whole time, he was in front of the light, not facing it, though. This is about where the dream ended. I think my grandfather was trying to tell me that he was at peace, and I need not worry about him or what the afterlife has to hold. In life, he, he was always in his favorite recliner, and even in the beyond, he has that luxury. Tony and Jenny, thanks for reading my story. If you don't get around to using it on the show, I understand. Love the show. Keep them coming. I want to take my favorite chair with me. What's your favorite chair? I hope I haven't found it yet because I don't have one right now. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... It's kind of like last night where it's like, I want to be, uh, what was it? The, uh, the tragedy ghost. Oh, tragedy ghost. We have to die in a tragedy then. No. Well, I don't want to die in a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I think that's neat that, you know, the um, the peaceful closure image, I guess, that this person got of their grandfather. Their grandfather was able to have their favorite item with them. Sure. So I just think that's neat that I'd like to do that. I'm glad they got the closure and they got that that moment. I think that's really cool. I'm going to have to say, is it a paranormal? Is it a ghost story? Honestly, because it was only in a dream. Yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, I appreciate the letter and I appreciate that the person had the experience, like I said, but there was nothing else connected. There was no, I woke up and he was there. Or there was no, you know, to me, that's, I don't know. That's that's a really far 
far-fetched to say it's a paranormal or a ghost story. And I think we're on opposite sides of the fence there. Well, I don't... How how can you... Uh, to me, a ghost story is something that has to, at some point in time, have to materialize or connect itself to our real world. Okay. okay? And I'm... I'm not saying that that in particular was a ghost story, even okay. though I know that's what we do are ghost stories. Sure. But I think it could be in the paranormal realm of things. Sure, it could be. Right. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it could be, but it's not as, I mean, as set in stone as you can make a ghost story. You know, to, to, <laughs> I was going to say, know, where are you to, going to with me, that? There, there's two elements that in a dream ghost story that need to happen to make it a true ghost story. The dream and then something that connects the dream in reality when, okay. you, when you're outside of it. And it has, it can't be something like with this, you know, they had knowledge of the grandpa's chair. It wasn't like, oh my God, I never knew he had that chair and love it. See, if that came back later of, oh my God, I never knew he had this chair. It was in this room that I never went into my entire life. And in my dream, I saw this chair. Okay. You got a ghost story. Okay. Here it's a memory seeing him in a good place. That's good. And, and I'm not saying it, it's not paranormal or it couldn't be supernatural or it couldn't have been his grandpa. I believe it very well could have been. It's just there's no, you know, the dots never got connected okay. to the real world. Okay. That That's to me where it breaks of, eh, I don't know if that's necessarily a ghost story. Okay. See? I see. Makes sense? Yeah, it yeah. makes sense, okay. but I don't have to agree with it. No, you don't have to agree with it. I wonder what our listeners think of that. That would be Cause, good. Because there's a thing. lot of dream stories that come up on the show. Right. So I'm wondering if that counts like mm-hmm. that. Or, or, I mean, and we'll still do stories like that. I just, you know, to me, that's that's my thought on it. Okay. So 855-853-4802 is our phone number. 855-853-4802 to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Um Here's a letter from uh, Yvonne, and Yvonne, as everyone knows who you know, can spell, is Y-V-O-N-N-E. Um, this is a name I didn't know how to pronounce until I was probably about, oh, I don't know, 25. How did you pronounce it? I, I think it or was... Or did you just avoid it? Well, I avoided it quite a bit, because um, there there's an artist on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, uh, Yvonne Elliman or something, or Elman, I think. Um and this is going back to radio. Um, and uh, if I can't have you, I don't want nobody. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and I never knew how to say your name. So I just never said it on the air. What'd you just say from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack? Fever soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And everybody got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of skipped over it. And I and I was just never really, I've never run into one in my life, luckily. So I've never had to like, yeah. There you go. So, there well, I'm go. so proud you've learned how to say that. I learned how to say a name. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Yvonne's letter. Follow up on uh, her daughter's imaginary friend. This is a spider hand. Okay, spider hand. Give us the 30 second synopsis on what spider hand was. It was a, I'm guessing a, a troll looking type, probably demonic figure that was living in their house and trying to get their toddler I think she was like three or four at the time mm-hmm. to do things and then she would talk to spider hand and and spider hand was supposedly telling the little girl to that God was not real and that ah. God was bad and then they they banished spider hand to the yard but he was still out there I remember that now yeah it's all coming back to me now that's words good. of a bad Celine Dion song yep 
A lot of radio references this evening. All right, follow up on Spider Hand. Uh, that's uh, it's scared uh, out of our four bedroom house, so they scared it out. I rented uh, out my house. I let the tenants know of the haunting. <laughs> that's. I wonder how they got that. <laughs> How would you like that one? Well, we got the satanic thing that seems to be screwing with our daughter. We finally banished it. But hey, here's the keys. Enjoy. Well, and I think it scared them out of the house because they left the house and rented it out. Yeah. Yeah. They said they didn't believe in that and it didn't bother them. So we moved. Oh, so they weren't the owners of the house. No, they were. They left and they rented it out. Okay. Okay. They said that it didn't bother them and that it didn't... Okay, so the new tenants apparently just weren't believers in ghosts. So we moved across town to a small one-bedroom duplex. I don't know if it was still Spider-Hand that followed or not, but it was. But if it was, it took on different forms. About a month after I started having sleep paralysis again, about twice a week, I was being attacked by a demon that I would try to fight. I learned that if I said the Lord's Prayer, I would get out of the sleep paralysis immediately. I always felt that I always felt I was awake, so I knew what I was thinking. Anyway, then there was my daughter. She said there was a boy behind the refrigerator that also lived under our house. He had died because he choked on pebbles from a river by a park. It's an interesting story for a child to come up with. Yeah, I think so. Also, my hubby had sleep paralysis for the first time. He was scared because he says that he felt like he was raped by a female demon. He doesn't like talking about it, though. I was so scared of that little house that I would wait outside it uh, in my car until someone was with me. I tried to act calm so my daughter wouldn't see me scared. We still all slept together. Lights, TV, and printer would turn on and off. Then an aunt of mine gave me some sage and said a blessing over my daughter. She instructed me to go all around the house saying prayers and rebuking the devil. So I did it one day, and even though I was shaking as I was doing it, I was very mad in the process of doing the sage with a feather as part of a curtain caught on fire. (laughs) My God. So I stopped. That's so something I would do. <laughs> How does a curtain catch on fire with a... Was she light? Oh. She was smudging. Yeah, you used flame. And so it okay. was burning. So that's how she caught the curtain on fire. <laughs> Apparently not a flame-resistant curtain. It's pre-1989 or something. So I stopped. Then I put oil with, a th- with uh, three crosses on all 13 windows. Then we moved again. Now we moved into a two-story duplex. Lights and TV went on and off. For the first time in my life, I experienced a deep depression that lasted three months. It was horrible, and I had nothing to be sad about. One day, my sister came over and took pictures. On the pictures of me in the hallway, you can see a thick white cloud behind me. And in the very, and in the very next picture, is a, it's clear. And in my daughter's picture, it looks like there are two hands over her shoulders holding on to her. No sleep paralysis at that house that I can remember. That's about all that happened in that house. In 2010, my renters decided to move out, so we had to move back. They never complained about any haunting. But when we walked into the house, there were crosses made of palm leaves over every door. I thought that was weird since they said they didn't believe in anything. I wonder if they just didn't want to tell me. Anyway, we were scared to move back in. First night was the worst. We decided to sleep on the living room floor. We all had nightmares, but only my hubby had sleep paralysis. He said something trying to drag him into the closet. 
He wanted to move to his mom's house, and we stayed and made the best of it. We didn't experience anything weird. After time, things were back to normal. We slowly began to get comfortable. There are only a few things that are questionable. First, my daughter feels like a black shadow is in the hallway looking into her room at night. And there had been a few times that I heard her whispering in her room. One day, I decided to put a recorder in her room. The next day, I listened to see if I heard any EVPs. I could hear her whispering and someone whispering back. My daughter was telling someone that my mom doesn't like me talking at night. And I could hear a whisper say he doesn't like God and she speaks to God. They talked about other stuff, but I forgot already. Then I was going to show my EVPs to my hobby and somehow my recorder broke. It would not play or record anything. So I went out and bought another one. And again, I recorded through the night. This time I heard my daughter saying, leave me alone. I can't talk and I need to sleep. And four hours after that, at about 2.30 a.m., my baby boy woke up in the middle of the night crying for his bottle. He was crying a little loud until he fell back to sleep. In the recording, while my son was crying, I clearly heard someone yell out, Quiet! But like in a whisper. It was scary because I know it wasn't any of us. Then I showed my family the recordings and they heard them too. Then the next day, my second recorder broke. I stopped recording after that because I was scaring myself more by knowing... That was a year ago. We still sleep together, and now we've been here four years. My daughter is now 11 years old, and my son is two. Everything seems as calm as it could be now. My daughter isn't scared. We haven't seen any more shadows, and above all, we haven't had any sleep paralysis for almost four years. We will never be at ease. We are fine now. I also want to thank the viewers who tried to help me with their thoughts and prayers. I feel sorry for those who are going through a haunting right now because that's the worst feeling in the world. Thank you for all the great shows and the group therapy did make me feel better. It was I wasn't alone like I thought all those years. By the way, I can't help but wonder what happened to the demon. Is it gone for good? Is it still here? Was there more than one? I think we're just a haunted family. I think I agree with that statement. Haunted family? Yeah, because it sounds like something followed them from place to place. Mm -hmm. And I'm not real sure why it all of a sudden disappeared when they went back to their original house. Mm -hmm. But I would be surprised if it was three separate instances of three different hauntings. I wonder if something got banished in the original house. You know, when they went back and it was all calm. Yeah, but then they still had some EVP activity. They didn't have yeah. the the spider hand or anything like that. Yeah. But there was still something going on. And I, I hate to say this, but I'm wondering if it was following the little girl because it seems like she's the one that's having the most activity. Mm-hmm. And as she grew a little bit bigger, maybe it was not able to influence her as much. Yeah. Or I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder sometimes, too, if, if entities or whatever they may be uh, are able to influence where you're moving to, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, some buildings may be more, uh, I don't know what the right word would be here for this, but uh, more welcoming to them. Okay. Too, and maybe there's, you know, certain energies that, that allow them to do more in them than other buildings and... They somehow manipulate the the thought process or the moving process as to go go to this house, go to this house. 
Um, I could see that because that's all they do is yeah. manipulate. Yeah, I want and you know just kind of very very subliminally doing that, mm-hmm. you know, to keep uh, you know essentially what they're doing alive. Yeah, no, just a thought. Could be. 855-853-4802. It was good to hear the uh, the wrap-up of uh, Spider-Hand. It sounds like things are better. I'm going to knock on wood, though. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another call. Hi, you are on the air. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jill from Indiana. I called in before. Uh, if you missed it. Um, I am a paranormal investigator and have been researching for about eight years. Uh, that being said, I thought it would be good since I've noticed that I think there are a lot of other budding investigators uh, that listen to your show. So I thought I'd give a little piece of advice that uh, I wish somebody had given me. Uh, doing home investigations is a whole different ball game than researching places that are known to be haunted. Uh, One of the problems that you sometimes run into, and I've run into on several occasions, is that the homeowners want to be present and follow you around and watch what you do. And that's fine. It's their house, you know, obviously. And I would be a little nervous about inviting strangers into my house. So that's great, but sometimes they get more than bargained for. And uh, one of the things that they might end up getting that they don't expect is, uh, I'm sure people have seen this on the shows and heard about it, is a ghost box. A ghost box is an altered radio. And basically, there is a pin inside the radio that when you hit scan, tells the box to stop scanning at the next strongest signal. So you alter the box so that that pin doesn't, you snap it off or break it off. So it will just continuously keep scanning and not stop. Theory being that a spirit that wants to talk to you out loud uh, so that we can hear them well can use words from the radio waves or they can push their own voice through the speaker. And I always explain this to the homeowners and to any spirits that might be listening in case they don't understand what it is I expect of them. And I try to express that I would really prefer they use their own voice. You can tell they're using their own voice because the same voice uh, will keep talking to you. And when when the signal stops for them to talk, you can look at the radio and see what station it's on. And you'll have the same voice on multiple stations if that makes any sense. That gives me a clue that they're using their own voice, or at least I hope that's what that is. So, you know, we tell the homeowners that, you know, this is just a piece of the puzzle. It doesn't mean that your house is absolutely haunted just because the radio box seems to be answering our questions or seems to be giving pertinent information. But if we can get that along with four or five other pieces of evidence, you put them all together, and then you can decide whether or not the home is haunted. However, on a couple of occasions, the box or the spirits talking through the box, first they kind of establish uh, that they are a spirit. Maybe they'll say the names of several people who are listening in the room. Um, If I ask them how many people are in the room, I usually ask, 
how many living human beings with living bodies are in the room. Otherwise, they might get confused. Um, so once they've established that, maybe you say, why are you here? Why are you, why are you banging on the walls? What is it you need? What are you hoping to tell you? This sort of thing. Sometimes, if a family member has a dirty little secret, it might come out on that radio for everybody to hear. So if you invited your mom or your dad or you let your kids stay, they're going to hear that. And sometimes, because spirits, uh, if they're human spirits, they're just like humans, they lie. They might say something mean and horrible and hurtful just to be mean and horrible and hurtful. Or if they're a non-human entity who thrives on your pain and suffering, they might decide to accuse one person or the other of having an affair, and so on and so forth. That's happened to me about three or four times, which probably within the last two years. And uh, it caused some problems with the family, and I had to stress to them again that, you know, just because a spirit or whatever folks you through this box does not mean it's telling the truth and does not mean it's bold. But you better believe once we left, I bet there were a lot of discussions going around. So keep that in mind and maybe watch what you ask when the family's present. Okay, thanks for letting me give my advice. I love your show. I love hearing everybody's different experiences. Have a good night. That is so interesting. I never would have thought about that, of a like a ghost tattletale going on during the investigation. Sure. Well, I get what she's saying too. Where it would, if it's like something dark and demonic, just trying to cause strife. Uh huh. You know, saying whatever it can. Oh sure. To, and then once that doubt's there, then you got trouble. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. I I listened to a uh, recording today of somebody who said that they were. Um, using one of those boxes, and those are really interesting where it the radio moves. Okay. Because um, what's so fascinating about it is it gives somewhat conscious answers. Mm-hmm. It's disturbing okay. how conscious those answers are. And sometimes, you know, you can clearly tell it is from a radio broadcast, and it's just picking up these words that are... The fact that it's grabbing these words at that time is shocking, number one. Um, but there are times, too, where, where she said that where she asks it to speak in its own uh, volition or whatever. Is that the right voice? Voice, yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, when that comes through, you can tell. And it's, it's really bizarre and creepy. And someone was trying to communicate with Joan Rivers. Okay. The day that she died. And he was asking, um, it kept, the radio kept stopping on Joan, Joan, Joan. Um, and then the guy asked, you know, what, is there anything you want to tell, um, you know, your fans in the world? And then this voice comes out, thank you. And it sounded like Joan Rivers. Oh, wow. It didn't sound like a radio show that just grabbed it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounded like Joan Rivers' voice saying thank you. And then the rest of them that were coming up um, were just other words and other you know phrases that seemed to answer the questions this guy was asking. Uh-huh. But the fact that it was like landing on answers, 
I guess the only thing I can compare it to is when we're talking to our two-year-old and she's giving us coherent answers. And you're just shocked. And you're like, wow, she really knows. how." It's kind of <laughs> like that, where you're like, you're really not necessarily expecting it, but you're really thrilled when she's giving you what seems to be an answer that makes logical sense to the question you just asked. Sure. That's what these boxes do. Okay. So I don't know that I ever want to even play with one, because to no. me, it's almost like, to me, it goes into the Ouija world. Well, I think like like like, if, like she was talking about, I think she knows what she's doing and I would yeah. completely trust you know, it sounds like she's got a lot of experience. I on the other hand would run screaming out of the room if that even remotely answered a yes or no question, right? And they have a 50/50 chance. So, yeah. That no. I don't want to play with that either. Well, it sounds like what she was saying, it's not necessarily that you're contacting a loved one. No. Even you may be intending to. So it's it's like, that's why I think it's kind of like the Ouija board. You know, it's there to stir things up. Like in the, the story earlier, it, they were not talking to John Belushi or Freddie Mercury. No. Likely, you know, um, I think it's the same with this. You know, I don't think you're necessarily talking with who you think you're talking to. It's just another way with technology that the answers can come across. Because um, essentially it's an audio... I, I would compare it to an audio Ouija board. Okay. You have all the, like on the board, you got all the letters, and it moves itself to manipulate this. This is simply stopping the dial on words that it's hearing and giving you answers. Okay. Um, although at times, this one is actually talking to you, too. So it's like more advanced. It's creepy as hell. Sounds like it. So, anyhow. Um, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Danny writes in, These stories were only a couple of incidents that happened to my husband and me in our first place together. Before bed one night, I decided to have a shower so I didn't have to have one in the morning. As I was washing my hair, the faucets in the tub in front of me creaked loudly because they were really old and instantly startled me. And I screamed, hey, thinking it was my husband playing a trick on me. I was instantly hit with a wave of cold water, so I quickly rinsed and opened the curtain. I expected him to be on the other side smiling, but he was down the hall, sitting in front of the computer with his feet up on the desk. I screamed at him, you're a jerk! He asked what he did, and I told him what had happened with the faucet. He said he had it moved from the spot in front of the computer. Needless to say, I didn't finish the rest of my shower. My husband was working late one night, so I was sitting in front of the computer alone. I had been sitting there for about an hour when, from in the kitchen, I heard what sounded like dishes being washed and moved around. It wasn't just a quick rattle. It lasted for what seemed like forever, probably about ten minutes in reality. Completely paralyzed in my seat, I didn't know what to do or who to call. I made the wise decision to run as quickly as I could into the kitchen, grab a bottle opener and the white Zinfandel sitting in the fridge, and drink it as quickly as I could <laughs> so I could drown the fear out and the noises. I thought she was going to attack it with white Zin. <laughs> She's attacking it one way, I guess. My husband came home after work to find his very relaxed and drunk wife trying to retell the story of what happened earlier. <laughs> You know, I think the worst place to have an experience would be in the shower. Because there's something about being there, you know, just completely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And and it's very easy to get startled when you're in the shower because of the sounds or the lack of sounds because of the water. Yeah. And you're naked. And that always makes you feel that much more vulnerable. Sure. So. Sure. 
wonder if the white Zen helped keep the ghosts away. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think I would be really afraid of, of like doing anything to inhibit my judgment when something like that is going on. I'd be so freaked out. I think I'd be like one. I'd want to be uber alert, even though that would not equate to a good night's sleep by any stretch of the imagination. Right. That'd be the only way I probably could sleep is to get drugged up on something um, after having that occur. But uh, I, I, just, I don't think I'd want to. I, I'd be way too scared of what am I going to miss? What else is going to happen? Sure. Not, not that I want to see more, but I would be the what ifs. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to set my house on fire? You know, I'd, I'd just be really freaked out. Thanks for the story. That was a good one. 855-853-4802 is our number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Nigel writes in, Hi, I'm writing from Australia, and this is my story. After a night out with friends... Uh, on Anzac Day Eve, a day celebrating Australia and New Zealand Army Corps, I uh, went home to relax and get my clothes and get ready for the uh, march the following day. Uh, Anzac Day means the world to me as it allows me to honor and respect not only our soldiers, but to also honor my grandfather who fought in the war for our country. I didn't get home until after midnight, and after a late shower and meal, I decided to lay my clothes out for tomorrow. I then went to get my granddad's war medals to wear with pride, only to find that they were missing. I was devastated. I kept them in a safe in my closet, and they were gone. My safe was empty. After dropping to my knees in tears and saying, Sorry, Granddad, I'm sorry, repeatedly, I called the police and reported them stolen. That night, when I eventually fell asleep, I had a dream that my grandfather, who passed away two years earlier because of cancer, visited me in my room while dressed in his army uniform. He took his medals he was wearing off his uniform and placed them in the drawers next to my bed. He smiled at me and said he loved me before fading away. When I woke up in the morning, there, where he placed them in my dream, were his medals. Okay, so does that qualify? That qualifies. Okay. That totally qualifies. All right. Yeah. Just the, checking. There's the, well, wasn't I clear? Yeah, but I don't know. I just have a different view on that. You put more weight on dreams than I do. Yeah. And as far as paranormal. I do. And, and, I'm, and I don't dismiss them by any means, but I just really think to be connected as a sure thing ghost story it has to be something like that okay where okay dream and then it connects to reality there needs to be the connection there otherwise it's a dream okay could be and i'm not saying that the dream couldn't be it's just you don't have the proof if you will as much proof as you can have in a ghost story and that's pretty damn good proof for a ghost story <laughs> i think so you know, so that's that's how i take them anyway Okay. So, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Natasha writes in, when I was a small child, my mother, brother, and I moved into a house in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Ah, my old stomping grounds. <laughs> uh, that's about 20 minutes from Wausau. Okay. So it's right uh, very close to where I lived. Um, in fact, the market's considered Stevens Point, Wausau. Uh, this house used to belong to our neighbor who moved out after a fire which killed her father. We were never certain if the spirit living there was her father or not, but our house was very much haunted. We called the ghost Charlie after the deceased man. My brother was the only person who ever saw him as a shadow in doorways and on our front porch, but we always knew he was there. Charlie used to lock our front door, sometimes even seconds after we left. 
On one occasion, my brother went out to get the newspaper and found the door deadlocked when he tried to get back inside. We could hear him rummaging around on the second floor while everyone was downstairs or open and close the doors downstairs late at night while I was home alone. Charlie was always old-fashioned. More often than not, our radios would be set uh, to the AM Christian station when we turned them on. The television would sometimes change channels while we were watching as well. Once, in middle school, Charlie hid my dress for a school dance. Guess he didn't like it much, and I couldn't find it for the life of me. We found it two days later, right where I put it in the closet. We never felt threatened or scared by Charlie. He was just our fourth member of our family, fifth after my grandmother moved in. He took care of the place, I guess. My neighbor, his daughter, would never step foot in the place, and my friends growing up always said my house was odd. But to me, Charlie was just the old man who we couldn't see. On another note, I think you might be interested in The Cottage, a haunted cafe in Plover, Wisconsin, with an interesting history. Huh, never heard of that one. Plover's right up there, too. Oh, it is? All these fun names of towns, <laughs> yes. I believe uh, I've been to Plover a couple of times. We used to do a Saturday night club show on the station I was on. It was Club WIFC, and we'd go to these clubs, and I say clubs in quotes because they're essentially taverns with... Uh, uh, colored lights on the ceiling <laughs> they turn on at about 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and play uh, you know wow. Tupac and suddenly it's like oh it's a club <laughs> so it's not exact it's a northern club and then, and then in winter people drive their snowmobiles to the club so that's life in a northern town that's crazy I can't even imagine that yeah and, and people drive to like you know the small little towns out, out you know in the boonies you know 40 minutes out of you know like Wausau or Stevens Point to go to the club wow <laughs> yeah and then dodge deer and all sorts of fun things <laughs> that's life up there uh Kara writes in hi Tony and Jenny I just wanted to say that I love the show that you guys are amazing so for as my story I had gone with a friend to visit another friend's mother's grave I never met the mom, but the other friend and my friend's families were longtime friends. That's the most friends I think I've ever said in one sentence. I know. And we loved watching Friends on NBC. <laughs> my friend and I had been at the cemetery for a bit, and for some reason, neither one of us could find her grave, but we kept looking. After a few more minutes, both my friend and I started to get this feeling. I don't know just how to describe that feeling I had. I just remember that it wasn't a weird or bad feeling. I remember that if I kept walking a certain way, I'd still have the feeling, but... If I went the wrong way, it would go away. So something in me told me to try following that feeling. Every time I would lose that feeling, I would backtrack a few steps and find it again. I just feel like breaking into song here, but I'll refrain. Don't. You've lost that ghostly fee. Okay. So I did my best to follow it. And after a bit, my friend and I found our friend's mother's grave. And as we were play, paying our respects, I remember the feeling then turning into a more warm and motherly love. I'm not totally sure what it was. Maybe it was our friend's mom guiding us to her, but it was an interesting experience. I can see that. Yeah, I think that's neat. It's hard to find a grave if you don't know where it is. Sure. So I, I believe it. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is a number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Or you can always write in like these folks have done through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Ray says, about 12 years ago, I worked as a camp counselor at a Boy Scout summer camp 
in Georgia. I had worked there all through the summer while I was in high school. And the last year I worked there, I did some off-season camping of my own at a spot we called the Indian Camp. I was an Eagle Scout and loved being outdoors and camped frequently. The camp manager didn't mind if we camped on the property during the off-season as long as we called the office before going out to make sure no scout troops would be using the camp for an event. Not that the Indian camp got much use because it was a primitive area away from the main camp. They called it the Indian camp because there was supposed to be an Indian burial ground somewhere near the area. Although the camp ranger would never tell anyone exactly where it was for fear that people would disturb it. I chose the area because it was away from the main roads and I knew no one would bother me while I was out there. I knew the camp well and was comfortable in the area. My camping trip started out normally. The weather was perfect and I had a nice campfire and plenty of wood to last me the night. Everything seemed to be going great, but as the night went on, it began to become uneasy. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it seemed as though I wasn't alone and I felt somehow out of place. To ease my mind, I pulled out my radio and threw a few more logs on the fire. As time went on, I began to feel more comfortable again as the fire grew larger and I found Coast to Coast AM was on. I got news for you, that's not going to make you feel more comfortable. (laughs) After a while, I heard something rustling in the leaves didn't sound like a deer or a person walking, just a constant shuffling. This wasn't uncommon, as there were many armadillos and small animals in the area. About that time, the radio signal went out. I turned the dial, trying to find it again, but then the radio went completely dead. I didn't much think about it, because I couldn't remember the last time I changed the batteries. But now that there were no other noises, I could hear the shuffling getting closer. It also sounded like there were now several things rustling in the leaves. I threw a few more logs on the fire. It seemed to be burning unusually low, and the darkness of the night pressed in around me. I pulled out my flashlight to see if I could determine what kind of animal I was hearing around my camp. The sound seemed to surround me, and it sounded like it was close enough that I should be able to see whatever it was in the firelight. I looked for several minutes but didn't see anything, even though the sounds were now all around me. It was getting louder couldn't place the sound in my mind. It didn't sound like a small animal or a person or a deer or anything else that I could imagine being in the woods late at night. I began to feel more disturbed as my flashlight dimmed and went out. It had fresh batteries and I knew it shouldn't run out this quick. I retreated to the campfire and tried to rationalize what was going on. I threw all the wood I had on the fire and in a short time the flames were uh, headed high to uh, lit up the woods around me. The noise from the woods began to multiply. It sounded as if the whole forest was alive with movement, but there were no visible signs of anything moving. Whatever it was seemed to be all around me, and I clutched the only weapon I had, my camping axe. I shouted, Who's there? But the night seemed to muffle my voice as soon as I said it. The fire burned low like a candle that was about to go out, and I now heard what sounded like a low humming noise in the distance. I knew something wasn't right and began to take down my tent and leaves as soon as possible. I didn't know I did not know what was going on, but I didn't want to wait to find out. As I threw my tools and tent in the back of my Jeep, the noise was almost deafening around me. I was terrified. As I gave one last look around to make sure I hadn't forgotten anything, I realized the humming noise was now closer and I could hear it more clearly. It wasn't humming at all, but a low moaning noise. At that moment, the fire's flames went out altogether, leaving only a pile of glowing coals and thick smoke. I jumped into my Jeep, turned the key. It started after several attempts, but had very little power. 
headlights were dim and the vehicle crawled, even though I had the pedal on the floor. As I attempted to drive up the steep ridge to leave, the Jeep lost all power and rolled backwards down the ridge into the blind darkness, only stopping when I hit a tree. It left a large dent, but had the tree not been there, I would have rolled backwards off the ridge and into the valley far below. After several more tries, the Jeep started again, and I was able to slowly make my way out. By the time I got to the other side of the valley, the vehicle began to run as normal. The headlights were bright, and I had no more trouble. I didn't stop until I reached my house several hours away. I had no idea what happened out there, but I have never had anything happen like that before or since. Keep up the good work. Love your show. I wonder if he still enjoys camping. <laughs> that kind of ruined it for me. I think so. I think of of all the things we talk about on this show, burial grounds are probably one of the things that I find the scariest. Sure. And I think part of that is just, just that exact type of thing would be my greatest fear if I were anywhere near it. I mean, it sounds like whatever the hell it was was really just sucking the energy out of everything around him. Yeah. You know, including the campfire. And the car. And the car. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. just, it's just interesting. It's not only electrical devices, it's like physical, worldly, mm-hmm. not just, you know, the radio. You know, that's, it was, a, something was sucking energy right there at that time and probably did not want him there. Yeah. So that's that's really that was a yeah that was the campfire story to uh, to beat all campfire stories. <laughs> I think you're exactly right about that. That was very very creepy. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for sharing the story. Our phone number is eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. If you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear it. You can of course also write in on the website realghoststoriesonline dot com. Click on the tell us your ghost story button. Be sure to subscribe to the show if you're a new listener. We do the show almost every day, so you press subscribe, you get a new one sent to you directly. So be sure to press that button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever platform you may be listening to us on. And if you're a regular listener and you enjoy the show and you want us to keep the show going. Consider becoming an EPP. Your small donation helps keep the show alive. It's five bucks a month. You get an extra show sent exclusively to you as an EPP. So it's a nice little uh, added bonus and a thank you that we send you guys. And you get the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping our show going. You can do that to the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. So until next time, for Jenny Brewski, I'm Tony Brewski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. 